Mm-hmm. All right, welcome to the New DGL podcast. We're going to be talking about programmatic advertising today. We have three gentlemen with us. Want to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, I'm Jake Wicke. I'm the CEO of Media Child. I'm Ted Montanus. I'm the Director of Business Development at Smart Ad Server. And I'm Sam Holmes, the Chief Digital Officer at Italy. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's start from the top. So if we forgot about you. You didn't yeah. ask yourself. My name is Guillermo Bravo. I am the host tonight, um, the Chief Evangelist here at Media Job. Perfect. All right, and we're going to talk about uh, programmatic advertising. We're just uh, having a little bit of debate on whether we should call it display ads or something else. So, Sam, want to take it? What, what's your thoughts on the subject? Yeah, well, um, tying that into the subject at hand, right? Uh, cannabis and programmatic advertising. Yeah. I, I think you know, the industry, being cannabis specific, is very much geared towards display but yeah. you know, we were just having a conversation about this a few minutes ago at the table over here and you know i personally think with a lot of the consolidation happening saturation that really started in california is now starting to migrate west um there's going to be a more a large emphasis on brands yeah. and with that given that brands are really at its core cpg product um, I personally think that it's it's not just display anymore. It's also video and, and other forms of advertising. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what we were talking about, uh, the words that we use, right? Um, we've worked, uh, I know the three of us work in that tech for a long time. It has some vernacular, and sometimes people use the same word meaning different things, right? So we, we've kind of tried to use display as the general category, like display and putting video and native under that so that we can separate it from like search right yeah. so paid search and organic so we just bucket everything under display but many people would think of display as just fans right that's display video is not display um and we we're already not using the same words in the ad tech industry and then now we're bringing this to the cannabis industry um which is just going to create further confusion right yeah i think that's a fair point and that probably needs to be a little bit more consistent consistency, excuse me, across the board, just in how people are talking about the idea of program. You know, no longer are the days you know, where you call somebody and you're dropping off reels and then tapes yeah. and plugging them in and stuff. And it's advertising is caught up with technology mm-hmm. and that television advertising is now bought programmatically. We talk about programmatic and then display to mean in this sense, it's that it's displayed to you. It's visual, right. but it can be everything. And for somebody in ad tech, that's confusing. And then we always have to take it in advertising like one step further and make it more convenient. We you go to shows and you hear you know the same buzzwords and so and, and topics and those always give a rise to a bunch of different companies you know there's viewability transparency uh and then now we have a lot more regulations and buzzwords and blockchain and so around data and data's importance but for the cannabis industry that is still in its infancy when it comes to let's say the more advanced mm-hmm. display ads at this topic that we can almost just call it instead of paid search or social, but it's advanced advertising because or digital, 
Yeah, it's digital. Yeah, yeah, because we're including you know, not just video and display, and you have in-app, mobile web, desktop, and now we're going to be adding in connected TV and streaming services. And there's going to be a lot of overlap too with um, esports and e-gaming and streaming and integrations into that because we're already seeing programmatic, as you know, engulf the uh, I guess advertising's traditional brick and mortar, which is digital displays. Yeah. You know, you can buy a video ad, a digital display, a mobile ad, and they can be rich media. And the next is with the shooting. We're gonna have in-game. I would say now that since we're at plus rich media. Like, oh, but it's rich media. It's HTML5, creative, mm. right? Yeah, just send me your assets back. Yeah, yeah. just yeah, just <laughs> no, it's like a, a multi-layer Venn diagram, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why it, it's funny you mentioned eight store display. For us at Enlightenment, we we have our entire uh, eight store network, and we actually categorize it as digital at home, and then it's it's technically it's digital, so that we don't confuse people, even though yeah. making people be more programmatically and technically to both digital display mediums. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you've got your you've got your display network, and that's running mostly video, right? Like, is there it, like still interstitials that happen at all, or yeah, the insert network we, we can take static videos too. Um, we recommend that people run 15 second spots, 30 second spots. Yeah. You know, there's been a ton of studies the last two years or so where video really has a higher conversion rate. So, yeah, that's yeah. One, kind of go the route. But a lot of marketers in the cannabis ecosystem just can't afford to make video at this point in time. That's so, the thing, it's another thing we're talking about that we found you know we with a lot of you know brands and retailers we work with we actually have um you know, your display network but we've got publishers on connected tv you know that are hulu's not there yet but you know like sony crackle and some of the other you know kind of second tier um ctv channels they'll take canvas ads mm -hmm. um but the brands don't for the most part have them yet right because they I, they haven't been aware that they could even Get on a living television. That's a right. constant conversation that we're having on a daily and a weekly basis. And connected TV and video constantly comes up. And I think it's one, the price point that scares people. And then two, it's, oh, well, you know, I can't run ads on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. You know, yeah. Any of the social platforms, the big platforms that everybody's used to, so like, oh, oh, that means I can't do data advertising. And that's just yeah. not accurate. Yeah. Um, so and then with the pricing, what's the difference in regular bands versus video CPM? It's it's a lot more expensive. Video ads have a much higher CPM. It's a like much more high So let's let's for words CPM. What is CPM? Because that's not that's common for us. We know what that means. And many marketers do, but not everyone. Okay. Right. So that's your cost per thousand impressions, cost per mil, which is not a million, it's a thousand. Um anyway, but the question remains. The pricing, like for your network, you've got your in display network, which is pretty like special inventory. So I imagine that TPM is high, right? Yeah, I mean, it's fairly comparable to most digital at home mediums. We're fortunate we own that inventory, so we can control the pricing. We're getting 100% profit on that. So, you know, I have flexibility depending on who the partner is and what they're trying to communicate and what they're dedication is going to be to us yeah. long term right um you know for us i'm sure you guys are dealing with this on a daily basis too we want to create long-term partner 
purchase. That's not about, hey, we're just going to you know throw this thing called programmatic at you and this thing called digital at home with you. You guys can try it, and then we never want your moment again. We want to educate cannabis marketers that this is a tool or a solution that they should be using. In fact, it's a tool or a solution that they should be using pretty much every day of the year as support for every other marketing mechanism that they have been activating. It's the foundation to hit cannabis consumers, cannabis intenders, what we call the cannabis, I think you guys call something similar. And having that always on approach where you can reach a mass audience, then ultimately with all of the other things that you have in the market, that's how you create that funnel that's going to ultimately let programmatic work for you where you're getting drive it yeah you know, let's define uh, what programmatic advertising is yeah like that. yeah and it's kind of and, and to your point too i guess i'll get to that with programmatic is it yeah in its simplest form it's real-time bidding on uh appetite or ad inventory and location and you know there's it's simple supply and demand but it's automated and it happens much you know, real time. All of us can log onto a website, same website. Like the and market. Yes. Just very so good. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. so, and you know, if you ever find yourself at you know a dinner table and you have always that one ant that's, oh, what do you do? And so I call this my account speech on what programmatic <laughs> advertising is to especially the marketers that you know have done so much in marketing. This is still scary to them and what we've heard from a lot of people. Um, and the easiest way to describe it is yes, like the stock. On one end, you know, you would buy shares of a company. And that company in this case, in programmatic, is a publisher. And you are buying shares of their advertising. You're buying ad location. And on the other end, you have advertisers or a brand that want to buy and have a need for that. And there's many ways to do it. I mean, a little bit different because there's a lot of self-serve, but we have seen the rise of the Robin Hoods of the world. But traditionally, you would go to you know a brokerage, you would go to a bank, and they would invest. You Schwab, Merrill Lynch, Morgan and you know they build your portfolio, and um, and in this case, those are advertising agencies. And like those financial institutions that I named in programmatic, they're named Omnicom, IPG, Google Assist, WPP, those old traditional. You know, ad houses that have armies of programmatic traders. Um, and you buy shares, you can day trade, but in programmatic, you're buying a, an impression. So you're buying that ad space. And it can be anything from video display, digital out of home, advanced TV, consoles, audio, all of that now. Yeah. And you're buying it and you're in a competition. And it goes to the highest bidder. Now there's some variations. Yeah, that's second eyes. Yes, yeah. Let's, okay. let's, let's yeah. Let's keep it above. Yeah. <laughs> let's not go to the Wonderland just yet. Um, and that happens within a millisecond. So that ad call goes out, brand bids on it, and what they're bidding on is a CPM, and they're it, that's basically what they feel comfortable in paying for this spot. Now there's a floor price, and that's the lowest that that publisher will take. And then use the buy it now. Right? Yes, that is the buy it now. Yeah. If nobody else wants it, there's a lot of people that will buy that. Uh, and where our business gets complicated, where the buzzwords come in, where the congressional hearings and the, the <laughs> all of this nonsense that has scared people away from 
you know, real digital programmatic um, is what happens in between that and how we value that impression. And that is all data driven because you inventory might cost a dollar, but the person that's logging on that you know pre bid is your ideal customer. So you might be willing to pay $20 for them. They've got something like in their cart that they just haven't checked out on. Yes. Right? That customer's worth so much more than the other billion impressions that are in the same hour. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so basically advertising now is a large scale marketplace. And in the cannabis industry, talking about data, I think one of the things to point out when we were talking about price earlier is, uh, you know, and how that scares away a lot of cannabis marketers. It's, hey, you're buying a very hyper-targeted audience. And until that audience is the mass audience in this country, yeah. it's going to be expensive to buy that audience. So you, that, that's what you're paying for. You can either go out and you cannot buy that cannabis audience and blanket target people that are 21 plus so you're fighting by all the regulations. And sure, you may hit your consumer and you'll probably drive some sales. But what you really want to do is target that cannabis consumer that you know is in a dispensary, that you know made a purchase, that you know checked out a website that aligns with your brand's lifestyle. And that's the audience that you should be buying. That's what you're paying for. And that's what it's going to cost. $20 if it's video or eight or $9 if it's a display ad, although yeah. let's categorize display as a batter ad. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, when you're talking about dollar, you're talking about for a thousand. Yeah. A thousand. So, what a typical campaign cost, like a minimum. Actually, this is, I was going to weigh on this because you were talking about price and you're asking a question, well, how much is it? And the scale can be whatever. You, you could spend a hundred dollars, you could spend a million dollars. Um, and I think what, what many people get hung up with when you start talking about video or rich media is there is a differential in the price. Like video could be 20, it could, if you're on connected TV, like linear, you know, digital, that's like, that could be like $40, right? Um, but it's priced like that for a reason, right? And so I think a lot of people get hung up on like the CPM pricing versus their budget because you can spend the same amount of money on either thing, right? Is your budget $1,000? Is it $10,000? That's fine. You know, if you're doing something that's a $10 CPM versus 20, you'll have half the impressions, but the value is usually priced in and the market does that. Like we don't control the price. So the market does that. And so yeah, uh, connected TV video is four times the cost of like very simple display, but you have a 96% view rate. Versus being one ad out of 20 on a page. Right? Well, and, and you basically just proved out the yeah, Aunt Carol speech I just gave about the stock market because you'll go to one of these big institutions and they'll say, Yeah, we're going to, you know, these, you'll buy, you know, bonds or, you know, put it in your 401k. You can either just do that and just have it, you know, slowly chug along for 40 years um, and you get your portfolio. It's a pie chart. We have this invested in that. But it's the same thing with your media. So you, if you have a million dollars spent, you have a million dollars spent. And you could buy into you know a, a mutual fund that you know is going to return this, or you could buy single, you know, more risky stuff. That, but the stuff that you know is going to be consistent and drive is much more expensive than maybe taking a gamble on these you know mass scalable shares that you're buying in, whether it be penny stocks if you're buying you know really crap inventory. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes back to what a lot of people were talking about before about your media mix. But I have a, a question for you two, which is there's 
a big difference I, I'm starting to see in cannabis of the, you know, the top and everybody else. And video being expensive, video being expensive for roofs. And also if you're a local dispensary, you know, or you met two guys, it was just two drivers, they're building, you know, this brand of delivery, and they just would want to target this one county that they can't do video yet. So are is there going to become a gap between the let's say the top, you know, five, 10 percent of cannabis companies and brands that are investing in video? Where and they're going to leave everybody behind because their product is already nationwide. So then they control the video market. Well, I think that's fair, especially in an industry where there are really a handful of players that are actually spending enough to make a difference. Yeah. Right. And this kind of goes into what Guillermo was talking about before. He was asking about what does it actually cost. Yeah. And at the end of the day. We'll, we'll take any budget. You know, we'll give a recommendation. Our team is excellent about being transparent and trying to guide buyers through the process. And we tell them that you know, a thousand, sure, you want to spend a thousand dollars, it's fine, but it's probably not going to move the needle for you. You get a few impressions, you get in front of a few people, maybe one person, two people mm-hmm. actually recognize your brand. Um, you know, on average, we're seeing brands. You know, enter the digital advertising programmatic market at five to ten thousand dollars a month, and they're maybe comfortable spending for about three months. Um, and if you can't prove out a return on investment in that period of time, they get scared. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have everybody else, these few larger brands, right? So it's not really everybody else. The MSOs, a few select brands that aren't owned by an MSO that are distributing that are comfortable spending six figures, seven figures a year to really drive that outcome. And that's where they can really afford that type of inventory that's gonna drive the deal. And especially when you're hyper-targeted, be able to at least drive enough scale for you where it's gonna make an impact. Because in this industry, as we know, scale can be an issue. Yeah, it has been. Um, it actually is, is much less of an issue for us now um, on, you know, display programmatic that we're doing um and that's largely thanks to smart right and i i was talking to ted and last month and i just wanted to get the broad numbers in general unless we're in like a little tiny market and someone wants to do something hyper targeted we don't usually have a problem with phil being you know getting being able to buy all the impressions that you want yeah um but what was the number you gave me it was like in the u.s yeah about what, like 40 billion yeah, probably uh, 40, maybe a little bit more now, but 40 billion monthly ad options for just the highest of the regular, like THC. Explicitly a group of cannabis, meaning every single impression that would be bought is going to go through a deal, a deal idea connection that is that says this is cannabis and the publisher has been hold and approve that for campus. Right. It's pretty unbelievable to think about that, right? 40 billion. I mean, we first met what about two years ago. We were talking about that. I mean, there was nowhere close to that. It's just amazing over two years where where the market has come. Well a lot of it is is grown because we've been doing this for a while now. Right. And and we've proven that um, we have good advertisers. We understand brand safety, we understand the compliance. And it's a new revenue source. And you know, pubs have had a couple of 
bad decades in terms of yeah. revenue, right? They've been beaten up by the, this programmatic thing that's happened. And so um, having a, a new industry of advertisers, you know, there's trepidation, but once we prove ourselves, they're, they really like the dollars. And I think the publishers are getting on board quicker and quicker. Yes, yeah, right. very much so, especially maybe not with THC because there is going to be a lot that can't do that or, you know, it just doesn't fit into, you know, their brand. And um, on the CBD side and a lot of the other products, there's still going to be a lot that are going to do THC side and as that market develops, but they're going to be interested in it. And now we're seeing them start to accept it, but we're seeing some start to report back on it and produce content because it's becoming interesting to them. Yeah. You know, like uh, there was an article that just came out in uh, Digiday, which is you know, a very traditional yeah. uh, advertising uh, institution and publishing. Hey, yeah. yeah. And yeah. something about you know, cannabis and you know, the business insiders in the world. You know, there's a magazine yeah. this morning. I didn't read the article yet, but I saw it and it was on the cover tip. Yeah. yeah. CNN has something on the 19th. I saw the little ad for it. weed, but it's just about the industry yeah. as a whole. Yeah, and speaking of like big activations that were set like CBDMD, I mean, it, I don't know, maybe people are health things, but if you watched uh, the US Open this year, um, in between the broadcast, they had a large, you know, branded video segment with Bubba Watson. And then they had, you know, book ended creative, which is a 30 second, one, you know, 60 second uh, ad spot. And that was on, aired on NBC and the streaming services. I think a really good prime example was Major League Sports, right? And this is kind of taking a little bit away from, from digital advertising. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, this summer, Major League Baseball had their all-star game in Colorado. It was the first time a major sports league had a event, meaning a pillar event, all-star game, that type, of, that type of thing, in a legal cannabis market. Oh, interesting. And there were a lot of brands that actually activated. Lana Gummies did a whole thing around a golden ticket to give away yeah. all-star tickets to Major League Baseball. It's just a great example of tying into something organically, maybe not necessarily working directly with the league, but I'm pretty sure they're doing it in Colorado right around the stadium. Major League Baseball had to have known about it and at least give it there somewhat. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let it slide. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example in my mind of you know big big time sports and um, you know that type of thing really starting to ease and we're now starting to see where the industry is going. Yeah, and the content is really important too because you know we we do a lot of contextual targeting and it's a contextual targeting. What is contextual targeting? Let's use the words. Okay. Yeah. So contextual targeting is when you insert ads or you target media. Uh, on a specific topic. So the content, whether it's written or visual, is you know of a certain category. And in our business, we usually our benchmark for categorization is given to us by the IAB. And there's two levels of it. And what is the IAB? <laughs> so you know it's a traditional it's the internet advertising bureau, yeah. right? Yeah. And I guess in the South it'd be like the S and P. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a standards body that the, uh, the all the leading companies are part of a set standards. And so there are categories when we're we're talking about bidding on impressions. One of the pieces of data you get as a as a buyer from publisher is what category comes in this, right? So yeah, and there's two levels, and the level the first level is very rigid. 
Like you have entertainment, lifestyle, news, sports, um, categories. Yeah, the majors, and then maybe a subcategory. But that translates to like what they're categorizing the ads are. That doesn't translate to who the consumer is. Because entertainment can be celebrity gossip and your real housewife watcher, but entertainment can also be your comic book nerd that is real into Marvel and DC, and they do not buy the same products. So now contextual advertising at scale and adding in AI. Let's not get into that. Sorry. Um, you can be around relevant content. And cannabis content is usually then you'll look it up and be on like Britannica or Encyclopedia. <laughs> and it's like you know, CBD will make you feel like this. And that's not where you want your head to be. You want it to be around something that's talking about it. Like you're Adidas and you're selling a soccer food. You want to be around Champions League content. Right. But that content, it, like the the old sort of older way of being it was like, I want to target the you know soccer or football. Mm-hmm. site but there may be someone of a personal blog that normally writes about you know lasagna but they have something they wrote that is about that particular thing that is relevant right and so that's where the targeting comes in mm-hmm. like it's uh, similar to adwords a little bit right in the sense that you're now talking about like what is the person looking for what is their engagement um and it is more detailed than the particular website or category yeah, this is going to get scary for a second, potentially, but um, this is becoming ever more important or increasingly more important, excuse me, right? In a world where the IDFA is going away. Yeah, oh, out of the IDFA teams, I think. <laughs> uh, it's the earmuffs. The, <laughs> the ID for, for advertisers in Apple uh, on Apple the phone, phone right? for yeah. your mobile device. Um, and then at the end of next year, the cookie and Google Chrome is going away. The cookie is basically this little piece of code that follows you around from website to website to website that historically marketers have used to place advertisements knowing that you went to that website. Yeah, yeah. where you've been online. Yeah, and with that going away, contextual advertising is going to become extremely important. Right. What was it, Bob Barker, you know, after the press was ready to say, like, spade and neuter your dogs? That was, like, his tagline. <laughs> I guess, like, now, you know, the next generation will be like, remember to clear your cash and cookies. Yeah. And so, you know, talking about Bob Barker at home, thinking about his happy Gilmore, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's still, it's, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, that's how they follow you along. But, yeah, contextual is kind of the next big thing, and it's a cookie-less solution. And personally, my opinion on it is that it's, you know, saying back, it's a call to action back to marketers to, I don't know, be marketers again, be creative again, and yeah. think of where your content is king. Content, it's, it has always been king. Or in this case, context. Uh, context. Okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and next on, yeah, then we'll get into the, you know, how the AI looks at it, but it's a very good example of somebody writes an article not of their normal content. Yeah, then what's the process from kind of beginning to end on the creating a campaign, tracking the campaign? And, um, I feel like we need a whole whole nother episode. All right, you want to buy that? Um, high level? High level, I mean, I, um, I would say that the important part is the beginning, which gets forgotten a lot, which is what is your marketing goal and what is your actual, the campaign? And, and a lot of people think, oh, if you're an ad campaign, that means I've got a you know, a banner ad and a certain people. But if you go back in advertising, a campaign is like a whole story like that you're going to tell to consumers about your product. You need to figure out you know, who they are, like who you're going to serve the ads to. But 
you know, advertising, there's something called shared value, right? There needs to be something that you do with the consumer where you're giving them something that they're interested in, whether that is a brand identity or education or whatever. And then in exchange there, they buy the product, right? Um, people skip over that a lot now. They're just like, I'm gonna make ads. I'm, what, what are the ads doing? Like, what are you trying to tell? What is the story? Um, and what, what is the outcome other than, I want people to buy things. Right. Well, it brings that full circle right back, right back to the video that we were talking about earlier, because especially again, this is world, that's the clearest narrative to being able to tell your story. Yeah. yeah, and that's one thing that comes up a lot in a lot of the cannabis shows that I've been at, where you know perception on cannabis right. is important. And now when you come with video, how are you going to deliver that? And it's ever more important of delivering that message in a video form. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll continue back and talk a little bit more about all that. Yeah, uh, enjoy this message from our sponsors. <laughs> Remember to clear your cash and cookies. <laughs> all right, well, continuing on, let's talk a little bit about an actual campaign and you know some uh, a case study that we want to look at, and someone in the industry that's really done a great job, you know, with uh, integrated marketing strategy. Um, okay, let's see. So, you know. I'm, well, I now have to think about what I can and can't say in terms of names. Well, let's not use names, right? Yeah. We'll just say that we have. Well, I'm going to use an name. Or, 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 or yeah, 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 we're thinking about it. Yeah. I'm also biased, though. So, <laughs> oh, not a campaign we're running, yeah. just a campaign yeah. in general. Um, and all advertising? So that's a broad no, question. Um, someone that's doing a, a good job at uh, you know, executing on this campaign. On display campaigns. Um, let's see here. We have. Yeah, I got yeah, like I said, I'm going to be biased because I have a little skin in this game. But uh, you know, holistic industries and and their suite of brands. Um, retail's a little bit different. I think it's just its own beast. But uh, they have the new Gary Garcia brand, which just launched uh, last year. And they have two other brands: Two Drops and Strain. All different messaging, all different lifestyle segments. Obviously, uh, everybody knows who Gary Garcia is, but they do a really good job. They really started with display, but um, you know they're spending a, enough money to be able to make an impact and actually uh, be able to start to see some outcomes and garner some data and intelligence about who their audience is. And I know when I was looking at their uh, end of the year reporting, which we just got back, I was actually shocked to see some of the. Um, you know, data segments that are coming back. That's the beauty of programmatic, right? That you can get all of these insights and continue to refine who your customer is and target yeah. that customer and learn things that you probably didn't know and it might surprise you. Yeah. And when you are talking about data segments, are you talking about on the targeting side or just the on, on the success side? You know, who's who's buying and how, yeah. they, how they went through the function? So I, I it's a combination of both, right? Um, in terms of actually using that data, um, you know, just in general, that's a really difficult hurdle to get over for a lot of people in this industry. Um, you have the obvious, you know, GDPR, California Consumer Privacy, which makes people out of this industry extremely concerned. And I think you guys all agree, yeah. it took what, 10, 15 years for most major advertisers to get really comfortable with actually using 
with point of sale data to be able to better target their consumers and to be able to understand who their consumers are and make various different profiles of who they are, be able to actually execute on that. And then there's some brands who you could say were either afraid to use that data or they were sitting on so much of it that they decided to create their own platform, mm. CVS. Mm. Right? Yes. Yeah. But I, I know from personal experience is that a, a similar, just called a similar company, you know, of their size didn't do a good job about that because their whole customer care, their loyalty program, and you had it under keychain and you would go. When you would sign up for that, it was the teller when you would check out, oh, do you want to sign up? And that person was just barely entering in a lot of that information. So they had all of this years and years of fragmented data. Maybe they had a phone number and an yeah. old AOL email or something. And sorry, and it it wasn't complete. And now they're realizing like shit, because with Everything that we mentioned on the last one that's going away, cookies and idea day, that we're now building identity graphs. And that's why first party data is using that loyalty information. So, yeah, first party data. What does that mean? First party data is data that is directly from the consumer, typically in the form of some loyalty data. You can go and acquire that in many different ways. You know, mailers, some of it's coming in, incentivizing them, whatever. But essentially, it's Typically, a person's name, address, birthday, some kind of personal identifier. Um, and you hear the word personal identifier, and all of a sudden, you probably get freaked out. Oh, wait, that person has my name. They know where I live. They're targeting me. Uh, in the world of advertising, uh, we were talking before about California consumer privacy and GDPR. It's mandatory that any platform like ours has to work with an intermediary or bring on certain types of technology to do what's called hashing, which is basically anonymizing that information so that we can actually use it, and then essentially putting it in a group so that we don't know who that individual is. Yeah, we always don't just want to target yeah. you. You're not important to us, but you at scale is, on, is always important. And, um, it, it's funny with that and that people don't realize, like, oh, I don't want to use my data. And going back to my Aunt Carol speech, it's that, I say to people, it's like, oh, so when you're in the bar and you hold your phone up and you go, I see, I told you it was Katie Care. I see, I knew it. And like, that's not how they make money. They don't make money off of you not knowing who's singing the song. It's the data. Your phone is paying. They have that device. They know, you know the location, following around there, building a profile, the type of music they like. You know, now it's integrated into the different streaming, music streaming platforms. But yeah, they're, they're poor businesses of you just holding it up and being like, you know, see, I told you this was true. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the collection of data, but you have opted into giving that. And that's one of the knocks against Facebook and Google and stuff is that when you sign up for something, it's impossible to understand. And that's part of what a lot of legislation is going is that, no, it has to be easy, but what are you doing with it? And yeah. this is what we're doing. And that linkage of what has been so confusing because you said the financial transaction data. That's a very murky business. Cannabis is very different because it started with POS data because of regulations. It started with that. It's, it actually was going to pay. It's going to pay off for them in the long run. But bank data, when you sign those bank for debit, credit card, and everything, like you don't see that little one line that says, you know, we might use it for, you know, if you sign up with a loyalty program, we might use it for marketing purposes. This is something that you know a lot about. Yes. Yeah. Background. Yeah. yeah. So it's 
It's murky at best. And on the first part of the data, the other thing that happens, and you know, this is dependent on the brand or the retailer or whoever it is, um, it creates an opportunity to have a one-on-one relationship with your consumer. Um, it's sort of uh, upon the brand to decide how they're going to present, uh, you know, the cookie acceptance or whatever that, that portion is. Uh, but if it is done uh, in, a, in a clear way, you you can explain what it is that you're doing with their information, and then you have a, you have an agreement between the brand and the consumer that bypasses all these issues around third party data and cookies and page because that consumer has said, "I like your brand and I want to hear from you." What's um, it made by the way? Oh man, yeah, see, yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, see, it's a mobile advertiser ID, right? So there's a few terms. But we'll get into that. There's IDFA, ID for advertiser, which is the older one. And then there was AAID, Android, yeah. Android, yeah. Android advertiser ID. Yeah, um, commonly referred to as maids, and these are uh, it's basically the serial number of your phone. Um, now, Apple has taken they just took a chainsaw to the whole thing right like we talked about <laughs> we, we talked about what google and facebook are doing in terms it's of like live look at mark's yes. like, yeah. you know rather than what they were doing yeah to be honest yeah they're like you know it's, it's it's difficult for us to explain to you what we are or are not going to do with your data so we're just going to let you just put the red button on all of it right and, and i see it now and yeah as even someone who you know has worked in advertising data for a long time Little thing pops up on, on my iPhone and it's like ask app not to track or the other thing you're like, what? I'm just no, pressing no on that. I mean, well, that's the thing got away with it for so long is you hit no and then your app didn't function the way that you wanted it to function. So then you went back and you opted in. Yeah. Which now they're starting to shy away from, which I think is a good thing. But, but yeah, as far as like running you know, these campaigns, what are some examples of places that ask me to show? Well, now, I mean, it's a lot. I mean, we have, um, you know, we can, we have access to like, I think the big number is like 45,000 pubs, but many of those are small pubs, right? So it's, it's more like in the, you know, five to 10,000 pubs of, um, you know, quality content. And, you know, we're at the point now where the larger media companies are accepting cannabis. If you're a company that can display, I shouldn't use the word display, demonstrate, that um, you understand the compliance and all of that, then we can now run ads on, you know, like Rolling Stone and Earth yes. Properties, SF Gate. I would vary so I'm using that as an example, but newspapers and brands uh, that uh, I think is where, circling back to what you're saying, it's going to become a brand name. And as a new brand, being able to put your brand just right under Rolling Stone or Variety, there's a lot of value to that. Right, for consumers, yeah, because yeah. You're, you're, you're getting validation. Yeah. yeah, and for cannabis, it's a seat at the table now. Like you, in programmatic, like we explained, it's a competition and you value who your customer is. And there will still be the Procter Gambles and Progressives and Home Depots that come in and will outbid because they pay for a ton of data. And like we said this before, you get what you pay for, but you still have, you still have the same seat at that table as they do to bid on that media in real time. Yeah. That's true. And and that that hitting for a brand, that understanding like, oh, okay, like, well, I think we should also clarify too, is the one thing in the cannabis industry, at least up until this point, is there really hasn't been a platform that allows buyers to actually control that. Mm -hmm. So I think the one thing that marketers 
especially cannabis marketers should really understand is that they can control their buying mechanism. They just need to understand what they're getting. Mm-hmm. And they need to work with the platforms that they're choosing to work with to effectively buy them, right? So mm-hmm. you may quote them a $7 eCPM, which is an estimated CPM. Um, or effective. Or effective. However <laughs> you decide to go about it, um, you know, to buy that medium, but you can also be upfront with your buyer and say to them, yeah, I want to try and hit that, but the inventory is going up, the price that inventory is going up, and I want a good quality audience, and I want that data, sure, go ahead and bid at $15, or whatever that price may be. Don't just go and bid on the $7 or less to try and get to that effective CPM inventory because it's crappy inventory. It's not what my audience is. Yeah, yeah. but you can still have that large pool. Yeah. Like you want to keep your content as open as possible yeah. if you're going with a data-driven strategy. Because I've seen this a lot more often times. It's like, we want to go heavy data, this and that, and here's our whitelist. We only want to run on ESPN and five publishers. Yeah, five, and you're yeah. like, come on. And that might not be what your consumer is because all of a sudden you might realize like, oh, they read this website oh, oh yeah okay. we learned a lot of yeah. interesting things on you know because we'll run prospecting campaigns across tens of thousands of apps and pubs and in different regions there's specific clubs that drive sales for cannabis brands that we would have not been to find yeah. yes right yes yeah. they 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 kill for us. Uh, a friend um, of cannabis yeah. i will say and it's and it's funny right because there are definitely brands that look at that Domain level report and see that and they're like, I don't want to be there. Oh, yeah. Like, well, why, why, why don't you want to be there? Your CTR is 1.45. That's your click through rate. Yeah. And percent. Yeah. It's percentage. And anything above one is really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if it's really good, your audience is there. So why wouldn't you want to buy that? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that we're really trying to do. And I, I think you guys are too, is being transparent in that process, right? Really showing people, hey, these are all the places. Yeah. For every everything. That we yeah. Have for every conversion is what, uh, when yeah. we serve, what kind of device. understand. Well, both of you have it, is you can, you know, through Smart, one of the big things that we came out with is uh, it's a UI. It's called Smart Buyer Connect. It's a free UI for any, you know, buyer that wants to get up there. It's Technology that's built on our ad server, built on our exchange, or a large global exchange. And you can go in and curate these deals. And the saying is like, if you're going to go heavy data, content is open. Keep it, keep it as broad as possible to let what you're paying for do its job. Or if you want to go the contextual route, then it's pick. But what the platform does is it says, okay, I want to add in these cities uh, and I want to buy these formats. I want, you know, display. Formats being ad sizes. Yes, ad sizes on the page, display uh, in these areas. And this is before you add data. You can then see uh, a dropdown of all the publishers in that category. And, and when we say publishers, a publisher can have, it's not a website. Uh, like a Hearst, a Condé Nast, some of these bigger guys have hundreds of websites. And most publishers have tons of, you would be surprised at the publisher name. And then when you say what a couple of their domains are, you're like, oh, yeah, that I know. There's a difference between those. They're like Pinsky. Like, yes. nobody knows what Pinsky is, but you still have Rolling Stone. Yes. And Variety. Yes. Yeah. And, you will see, and you will see underneath, you will see you know, those domains. Pick and choose those and see what those prices are because they'll all be different. And that way you go, like, yeah, if it, if I'll, add a, I'll sprinkle a little data on. And if it's somebody that's, you know, key and variety comes up. I know it's expensive, but if that person's there, pay that much. But I will take the rest of it. 
and for that story, when you say sprinkle some some data mm -hmm. on there, um, what is that again? Let's like circle back because I, I you know it was a complex topic. I, you've talked about everything else, but what is sprinkling data mean in that context? Oh yeah, and I turning. Well, I don't I don't want to be probabilistic about it. I want to be determined. Okay, good. No, I, and I'm not explaining that one. Too. I think right, maybe what you're referring to is you mentioned Penske and Rolling Stone, right? Yeah. You go back to the Garcia brand, uh, just using that as an example, you're targeting music fans, right? So that's a data layer that you can add on. So is that um, exactly you're referencing? Also, yes. 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 Well, and obviously the cannabis will have to add on. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then, then what kind of music? Because yeah, there's many music fans that are not necessarily yeah. into it. Yeah, so generally what you can do when you're building a deal, like the, the top data that you would look for is you can have you know behavioral, you can have location, you can have, you know, it, let's call it it's a like a recipe. A deal is like a recipe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. like you're working on, you know, Chipotle or something and you're picking and choosing the things you want. That's kind yeah. of what you know online. And some of the other data you can add in is, you know something we haven't talked about that is should be very important to brands and brand safety that is a whole other scary side of you know the brand safety police of our business brand safety i think actually we need to take a step back and just talk about how to say compared to head tech to chipotle that is pretty impressive yeah it makes sense that's probably video it's yeah. more expensive it's it increases like 25 percent yeah yeah no it's no because it, it's good stuff it, you know you know blocks extra right and yeah. then you'll yeah. see that not, camera, not, like, oh, not much extra. Yeah. Is that really, really hyper targeted audience that you're oh yeah yeah, yeah that, that is like yeah 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 that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's the good stuff yeah, double meat is like you know Nielsen sticks, red hair, freckles. Yeah, left-handed, mm -hmm. that type of that type of situation. Yeah, so you you can add in a lot of these, and you and you should with us. You can see what those prices are tacked on to what the publisher gets. Yeah. But and if you're on a platform that doesn't show you that stuff, run, run away. To go somewhere else. Yeah, please just go yeah. somewhere else. And, and that's one of the most frustrating things to me. This industry, when I got started in this industry, is just hearing all the horror stories about platforms that were acting like digital ad tech platforms of the AOL era. I mean, the AOL era. Yeah. yeah. The dot com era. Era. Twice I did that. <laughs> um, you know, carpet bombing, black box, and that's not okay. No, you should be, you should know how your dollars are being spent. Yeah. yeah and that's where it's, it's important viewability, brand safety, transparency. Oh, yeah, you said brand safety. Which, yes. Well, dig into that. What is brand safety? Brand yeah. Brand. Well, they're underneath it. Each, yeah, you have you have the ad verification side of things, viewability, you're the request for transparency, but also that's a for-profit business too. So that tax on to that CPM. So that ten dollars CPM that you have, you have the publishing cost, the data cost. You know, we kind of call it ad tech tax. And there's ways that you can audit that and cut out some of those things by working with more trusted tra partners that are transparent by nature. And once you understand what you're doing more, you'll know what to look for, and that will help save costs for you. But brand safety is the is a different category. When we were talking about semantic and contextual targeting, that you know came back in digital. It's always been important in digital, but the technology around it was built for brand safety. 
to target away from certain content to, you know, I don't want to be on heavily political articles or news, or I don't want to be on something talking about this and, you know, that things for you to be away with. It was a very defensive strategy. And now we're using contextual targeting as an offensive strategy, but for cannabis brands, brand safety is you know, very important and not just verifying the age of the ad that you're sending or deploying to somebody. Um, but it's something that every brand should be thinking about in their digital investment strategies, thinking about they should be making sure that it's built into the platform that they're using. Yes. And, and, and the regulatory aspect should be built in as well. Mm -hmm. And I'll take it even one step further. And this is something that's just really come up recently with us. It's, and maybe it's the time of the year, maybe it's the category, but in addition to just having that layer in there, I started to recommend to our buyers that they even go out and partner with a company like a double verifier in integral ad science and wrap their tags mm -hmm. so that we can actually get the domain level reporting to see where the fraudulent traffic is coming from oh, yeah. to get rid of it. And if if you have to pay an extra few thousand bucks for it, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah and there's a lot of ad tech companies out there that um, do a lot with the <laughs> pricing and um, and it's not just the advertiser, right? It's always not just about the advertiser. We mentioned this a little bit. It is publishers, and we talk so much about cannabis brands and the brands, and we, you know, we get the brands awards and stuff. But it's also the content too. And the next big venture and something in the future for cannabis is cannabis content that you know it, that will help drive the identity of the brand. And you know, if you're a sports brand you advertise on sports like that's your content if that's your nature so we need more cannabis content and there's brand safety there's very strong transparency issues for publishers themselves like they don't have a lot of control you know on some of the bigger platforms their data is sold without their knowledge too and your data as an advertiser or a brand can also be sold in the wrong way too so yeah going out and getting one of those partners it's you know, it's car insurance, it's health insurance. It's not something that you're going to be, you know, upset that you paid for. It gives you peace of mind, uh, but it is so important too because it only takes one tweet. It only takes one person. We've all heard the story about the father that got upset and went into the Target or whatever because his daughter was getting Target these ads, and, you know, and it was it came out to be true. It's it, probably just a tall tale legend and we all get told to like be responsible with data. But like I said, it only takes one tweet, one person to have a problem with your brand about the content that you were at or how the ad was used to redirect an auto or something that even more malicious, they can really hurt your brand's perception. Yeah, and especially with cannabis where you've got some very serious aging issues, mm -hmm. right? You can't do household retargeting Cannabis because you don't know what that house is like, and there's a high likelihood that there's kids in the house, right? So you can't just people are afraid to connect with TV. I'm just going to mention that, yeah, because you don't like we've talked about doing dynamic ads on advanced TV that are clickable, that maybe at some point you would be able to order from a delivery service if there was the ad, or you know, where the dispensary was that you could go to, but then you realize, like, oh. What if this is a family and like what if the kid is at home and orders those that's a big concern and that is adding into why uh probably cannabis brands aren't doing as much large-scale television video 
Well, especially with legalization where it is. Mm -hmm. We've obviously made tremendous headway. Yeah. And there's a ton of new states that just came online. You know, New York for us, New yep. Jersey, Connecticut, some of the other states in the Midwest. And that's going to obviously help push this, push the needle forward. And there's bills that are going through the House right now. There's actually a Republican bill that just came out, which is exciting. Because um, I think that tells us that, that there's a lot more people on board mm -hmm. than we think. But until there is wider adoption across the board, it doesn't matter how many states are on board it's going to always be an issue because there's always going to be that federal issue that brands are afraid that somebody's going to come up, come after them, that they're going to be the next Facebook or the next Google. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's definitely a double standard. Uh, let's just take legal market. Um, and even let's take out broadcast television, right, which is FCC, federal, has yeah. an F in front of it. So cannabis. Terrestrial, terrestrial radio. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just a you know a connected TV channel um, that you're delivering inside of a legal state, there's still and we're talking about it now this huge fear of oh like showing them a cannabis branding on TV. I mean, there's just all kinds of ads of people pouring beers, right? Like it's fundamentally the same thing. Also gambling. And yeah, yeah casinos and DraftKings and and are all over everything. Yeah. Now Ben GM and every other every other one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like why can't the most interesting man in the world have cannabis product? Yeah, right. Probably mm -hmm. does. Probably does. When is that gonna be when, when do you think the uh, Super Bowl is gonna happen? Well, yeah, that's a question. What year will be the first cannabis Super Bowl? I think uh, it's coming. Um not broadcast television. It'll be straight. You think someone will like shortcut it with like a, a brand? I think so, so, so programmatic. So I think uh, I know with uh, some high level of of uh, what's the word of certainty. certainty? Yeah, that you can buy some of the networks where the Super Bowl was had, not mm -hmm. Super Bowl was aired. Excuse me, programmatically, and they will take cannabis dollars. Uh, it's not all on the network, so it's obviously going to depend on what you know what network yeah. has the Super Bowl that year. But I do think that someone will realize that and will advertise programmatically during the Super Bowl, and it will probably be one of the big emphasis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they're doing it programmatically. It's not going to be the high price ticket. It's going to be yeah. They hop the fence. Which market is going to the Super Bowl this year? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Where is it? Uh, I think it's Florida. No, isn't it in LA? No, it's in LA. You're right. It's in LA. So very interesting. It's okay. The very Bill Clock Thickens. Yeah, Bill Clock Thickens. It's actually funny that you reminded me that we earlier this year had looked at trying to figure out some kind of activation with our bus or the Super Bowl, some kind of distribution, trying to be to bring someone on board to try and tap into some of that media, even if it wasn't necessarily during the game and it was pregame. Post game or halftime show. Well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about LA. What also just happened there with another you know, unregulated, regulated hot button industry? Uh, the Staples Center's gone. Yeah, yeah, no more Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, so crypto, crypto, crypto. Yes. yeah. So it, it it really is only a matter of time. Like the Super Bowl, obviously, advertising is you yeah. know the crown jewel of advertising. We're talking about. I wouldn't be surprised to be completely honest if it was the parent company. Just given you know the ties to Jay Z, how he likes to make a big splash. I know that they don't necessarily do a lot of phone facing marketing. At least we haven't seen that yet. 
but I, it wouldn't shock me if that was something that they tried to pull. It's good for this. Just throwing throw it out there. Yeah. And then, like, outside the box, you know, we talked about uh, display ads, we talked about banner ads, Steam, uh, connected TV. Mm-hmm. What other innovative ways can you use programmatic advertising? Yeah, so there's, you know, in console is growing. Uh, audio is in console. Gaming, gaming, Xbox, uh, PlayStation. Yeah. So um, that would be just streaming. Streaming games, yeah. Um, and a lot of that is in development. I've always thought that the next biggest market is to be able to insert programmatic ads in games like FIFA and Madden, yeah. like the actual yeah. ads in the stadium. Yeah. Rotate that space. Oh, well, they do. Yeah. I was aware. I'm a big hockey fan, but every time I play NHL, yeah, I'm always looking at the ads. Like, oh, I can't wait to. See something that's actually relevant to me that'll be even cooler than the actual experience of already happening. Oh, and just think about it. You have you know a Twitch streamer that's on there sponsored by one of these you know great cannabis brands. Yeah, and uh and he's playing a game and he's streaming the game, and that advertiser block roadblocked, as we said, you know, that game of that he's playing. So you see behind the net and the goal, like yeah, there's it, it makes sense with gaming too, right? This yeah. has always been. A synergy between games and campus. It's the most captivated stream too, and there there is always a synergy that, and it's you know very similar consumers for let's just say the largest part of industry because I do think the cannabis industry needs to diversify. And a good example is like Icy Hot. You have Shaq that's like all oh, the ex athlete, but then you also have you know the the baby boomer generation that would use it. But there's that's two different people on the you know, enter or the contextual scale that you're advertising to. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take another break here and we'll continue on and answer a few more questions. Yeah. Sounds cool. good. Go ahead. All right. Well, let's continue the conversation on programmatic advertising and then meet with a couple, couple more questions here before we wrap up. Uh, you're saying that you wanted to look at the, the biggest. Kind of mistake that you've seen made. Uh, it's very common across the industry. Maybe uh, uh, one thing that you're most excited about. Yeah. Um, I think biggest mistake I see with programmatic or digital investment or display. Or display <laughs> um, <laughs> I like digital investment. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Is, um, not giving it a chance, letting the feeling of the unknown um, overtake its potential. It's something that you really have to give a chance to. Uh, and you have to try multiple things to figure out what works for your brand. So think about it as a way to collect and do trial and error. You know, come with a hypothesis and put it out there, try it. But if you test with something little, like you said, a thousand dollars, and you maybe get the wrong sale on the back, or I never want to do that again. It's too expensive. Uh, I guess you know the mistake I see is living in fear for a brand that's new to it, because the education thing can be overwhelming. Um, and one thing that I'm most excited for is uh, to see the rise of cannabis content and that enabling brands and brand identity and how that integrates, intertwines, and wraps around other verticals. And you know, 
like to say like rising tide lifts all ships and that cannabis content, cannabis brands around, like you said, sports and gaming, the just the sports industry, the fashion, beauty, and cosmetics industry, and how we can wrap around that and hopefully that lifts it up. So excited for cannabis content and cannabis brands to build their identity from that. I want to take your problem, take that one step further, because it's literally the same thing I was going to say. And it's expecting coming in with the idea and the number that you have in your head and expecting to get that in return within minimal time before giving you things. As an example, an advertiser coming in, use that $1,000 minimum, $5,000 spend, not minimum, $10,000 spend, and expecting the thing to quote me stuff automatically at that time. That yeah. same amount back itself, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I think there's um, a lot of Yeah, I'll build on that too, because I was going to say a similar thing. Um, I feel like there is a, a tendency for marketers that are getting into digital that have not happened before to treat digital customers like this anonymous person is going to buy things. Like they're just one to terms, right? And I think it's important to, you should have a mindset that that same person that you're going to serve at you, it's going to come to your site, landing page, your e-commerce, you should care about them the same way that you want your retail staff to care about customers walking through. And so that there is that same approach, like, oh, I'm going to spend X dollars, I'm going to buy sales because I'm going to do some numbers and then we're going to buy some. But you need to have the same level of care and approach to that experience. Um, even though they are online and then you're not talking to them personally, they're still people and they still care about the same things that your retail customers care about. Yeah. And you have to hit a consumer. There's various studies that say this, the numbers change. A little yeah, bit different later, but it's pretty much the same ballpark. A minimum of six six times, so maximum, but at least ten times. That sounds like ten and twenty. Yeah, it's coming down. But the point is, you have to hit the consumer that many times before they do any say. action. Yeah. yeah, any action. So that action might not necessarily be a sale. It might just be simple engagement getting them to the website. Yeah, and then once they're on the website. You have to do even more to drive that conversion, remarket to them, make sure your website is easy to use, make sure you have good content on your website. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and at, at the end of the day, if I could really take $10,000 and get $10,000 back for any of my buyers, I wouldn't be sitting in this room right now. I'd be, a, I'd be, I'd have Mark Zuckerberg type of money. Yeah. And I wouldn't be doing this. It's just not how it works. No, no, I mean, our business, um, you know, a lot of things in life, you know, have like a mantra and everything. And like our business has one that's, you know, this, this paradise, this problem, yeah, that we've been trying to solve as marketers. And it's when Wanamaker said, you know, I know that yeah. half my advertising is working. I just don't know, or isn't working. I just don't know which half. Right. And we've all, we've been trying with technology and everything to solve that equation. And uh, you know how to drive profit and revenue and sales for your company using marketing and what works and what doesn't. And we're closing the gap. There's a lot of ways that we can close the gap. 
Um, but it's never going to be perfect. It, it is never going to be perfect. And you come into it thinking that, you know, I'm going to invest this much. I'm going to get that much out. And like, yes, you should plan, but also plan for the unexpected and learn, like learn more about your consumer and the media that you're putting out there, you know, test and try things. And yes, all of us sitting here on platforms and we want you to, you know, spend money and be on those platforms, but, um, we don't get anything out of working with the guy that's only going to give us, you know, this little bit for this super heavy targeted thing. And personally, that's not like interesting to us. Like we, we are marketers ourselves. We want to work on big fun campaigns that work for you. You said this, and I think it's so important is that, you know, I'm not working on the equipment. Like I want to build a long-term relationship and I want to continue to work with it, continue because there's a sense of pride in it too. Like we all became marketers for that reason. And, you know, you have to give ourselves a chance and you and your brand a chance to um, to grow and to try and to test different things and get your product out there because McDonald's and Coke and these, they've been doing that for years and years and they still don't have it perfect. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a pendulum swing that's happened from, you know, which half is working, which half is not and being kind of blind if you're just staring like a newspaper at it. Like it's hard to understand what's going on. Um, and uh, many people have gotten used to it as, a, as approachable is like Google Ads, right? Um, or you know, you see it paying for the sort of last click attribution things that you see a lot of e-com platforms and Instagram ads where it's like, this is a direct response. We had someone buy something and we see people getting into digital um, and only focusing on that part. And again, what we were talking about earlier, forgetting the middle of the buyer's journey and saying, okay, this one thing is making sales here. Um, but that that's a, a somewhat myopic view, right? Because you don't understand that there's there's a lot of other customers that you probably can capture that are gonna require a little more care and attention on a longer time frame, right? I know for myself there's products that I bought from Instagram ads, right? But it I, it took like six months for me to finally see the app enough times and be in the right mindset where I'm like, all right, I'll buy that thing that I'm not sure if I need, but it looks social well, that video. Yeah, it's worked out. They, yeah, they, they work, right? Yeah. But we have the same or similar ability with um, the tools today, right? With programmatic, we, we can serve video ads and we can follow consumers around in, you know, in different contexts. Um, but it requires a longer time period of thinking rather yeah, than just... Period, yeah. For sure. Um, I'm going to serve an ad, so I'm just going to click on it. They're going to buy something. Yes, some amount of people will do that. But that's not how you build brand equity, really. Like, if you want to become a brand, and eventually this is going to be a brand name, yeah. right? There's no talking about it. We're talking about this whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. that's a constant thing. And who's the, uh, who's the one leading? You know, Kevin the race right now, as far as brands in the general space, it's we, global. Yeah, not of all ever. I would say that. From a brand recognition perspective, probably cookies. Um, and yeah. a lot of it has to do with the great job they've done with apparel. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got a, I've got a 24 year old daughter, and like, you know, she her boyfriend comes over and wearing like a cookies yeah. hoodie, right? Yeah. Um, and that was just kind of cool to see that when when I the first time that I saw that, it's like um, that's the closest thing. But I've been beating this drum for years, which is there's no national rings. Um, and we talked about this a little bit, and you brought up one that was perfect because I I wouldn't have said select, yeah, right? Like, select is it's, it's purely, but um, you know, to me, the only reason that people know them is because they're literally everywhere, yeah, right. And, and that's why. But outside of those two brands, 
and, and we're talking about it also because we're in canvas right right if, if you go next year listeners like no no she doesn't <laughs> and i leave that up <laughs> but, <laughs> have gone up here. yeah no no that's by the time she's trailed off <laughs> but if you go to you know uh, the middle of manhattan somewhere and you stop somebody who or maybe they're walking down the street you smell something, so you're like, you're, you're interested to, to do a poll. Maybe someone who's actually, yeah. actually using cannabis. Yes, right? exactly. So we know. And you do the same thing on the West Coast, you know, somewhere, let's say San Diego, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just an everyday consumer. Most of them probably were to go a brand up with. Certainly not three. And even between Northern California and Southern California. Yeah. That's different also. Yeah. And yeah. the people that do and that are will probably name three different brands. Yeah. Two different brands. Yeah. Different brands. Yeah. yeah, the Venn diagrams will not line up. <clears throat> yeah, and and yeah, and Instagram, yeah, it works. You know, you see the stories and the ads and everything, but it's programmatic is you know no longer it, it is engulfed all the rest of advertising. And it's on Instagram, it's still you know, your ads are sent out to people that are similar than the ones that follow you. A lot of these brands you watch, like they don't have a huge following, you know, maybe over 100, 200 k like that's a lot. But they're constantly, and then you cut, you see them, and it's you know you see your friends, and it's like oh that would be me, and then you go through, and it's like oh yeah this company go through again. Um, but it's almost more validating for the consumer when they see that brand on a different medium and somewhere else. It's oh yeah they're they're getting bigger, they're getting bigger, they're they're outside of social because I myself yes I'm in the business so I understand, but when I see that I'm like oh, they're still big, you know they haven't taken off yet. And feeding into my narrative from earlier, yeah, right? which is it's an always on approach. Yeah, it is something that you should always be buying to support everything else that you're doing. If you're not doing that, you don't have a well-rounded approach. And I think one of the other things that's you know interesting, another difficult thing that I've seen in my experience over the last few years, been trying to overcome is working with those smaller buyers, right, who don't have digital experience. And because they can't see it, because they don't fall into that target audience, mm -hmm. and it's not a billboard, it's not an in-store display. Yeah, doesn't work because they can't see it, mm -hmm. and that's not the idea. The idea is again always on a strategy that supports your at home, that supports the print that you're doing, that supports the experiential, that supports any direct buys that you're doing with publishers, that supports gaming, yep. anything that you're doing should be always on mm -hmm. yeah you need to build a, a actual brand relationship right and actually we we're talking about this today we had a number of us we all had whole hunches right? yeah because well we tend to travel and go to conferences and they're comfortable and they're fine right mm -hmm. decent good um and the, i have it like a strong brand affinity with that now because they have been impacted my life in a way that's positive and canvas is uniquely positioned to do that to really impact yeah. people beyond what shoes can do right canvas can change your life in different ways and um it, it, it is an amazing opportunity for people to want to build brands in this space to build real long-term brand yeah yeah we had we had somebody on uh last night and they were talking about the brand and they got so you know into the legality they got so passionate about it. i was like oh we helped this woman who was struggling from you know this and such a good story and it's you know kind of like that's all right and it's like okay great like but that story should be always on 
Like you, you want to continually sell, uh, tell that yeah. and you want to tell more and you want to keep telling different stories and you want to continually build, you know, what that brand is. But the always on a strategy too is take it to the next step is it's, it's always on and speaking to different people at different times yeah. in different markets like Taco Bell has been advertising to stoners yeah. for forever. Yeah. And, but they still advertise also, they have like their fresh tacos that are a little bit more you know, sophisticated. Like, and that's, you know, for the mom, it's like, oh, I can't, you know, cook to the parent that's going home. And it's like, oh, this is a healthier option. Yeah, they're still targeting to both. Yeah. For better or worse, right? It doesn't matter what your product is. I mean, I, I love the example. You're going to laugh at this. I don't know if you guys all, all know the the uh, analogy, but Selena and Boris. Oh, yeah, right? No, right. Yeah. yeah. So there were their injury attorneys in New York and oh, had, uh, like a, a jingle mm-hmm. that was on, uh, they played it every single day on every channel in New York City and everybody knew who they were. Yeah. they like Dashers, right? Did you ever have Dashers? No. There's like some radio actors. I don't even know they're still around. JG Wentworth. Another one, yeah. Another, yeah, or you know, call, or another yeah. 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 You know, trust in the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust in the process. It takes time. It does take time. I mean, from my perspective, I personally think that you're not trusting the process unless you give it a minimum of 12 months. Mm-hmm. If it's not working for you after 12 months, okay, then maybe that platform of people you're working with aren't doing something right. But you need to be patient. You'll probably start to see some kind of return after three to six months, but 12 months is three months. Very good. Yeah. 90 days, you need yeah. to, your first 90 days are programmatic is about learning. Right, and figuring out what works. And we mentioned there's tens of thousands of clubs. We have found real interesting anomalies we didn't expect in terms of you know, clubs that I sites I'd never even heard of, right? That just resonate for no reason in that market. Um, and you can't we can't predict it. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. We have predictions, I'm like, oh, we should do this target, do this target, but we also usually open some some open prospect and to cast a wide net and learn. Yeah, and that's where you're getting that information, but it's 12 months when you really have a lot of information that you can really start to take that, that data and that insight and make it happen. Well, and this is taboo too, like giving it a year. And there'll be a lot of people that won't like this. And I know those specific yeah. people, but no, I'm going to call them out. If it, after a year, it doesn't work, don't look at us first. Don't look at the platforms yeah, or the investment. Look, look at your creative. creative. Look, look at your website. Creative. Yeah, because. Like There's you're, you're, you're out there and you're doable and, and the numbers aren't adding up, like maybe your messaging isn't right now. But don't give up on the process because you've gotten so much exposure. The market just decided, you know, and for those reasons, we are out. You know, yeah. like you've seen a lot of good pitches, but yeah, and, and by the way, if it works for pretty much every other brand, mm-hmm. yeah, CPG, retail, entertainment, political. Oh yeah, now right. Yeah. It's gonna work for you. So after a year, if it's not working, then it's probably not the platform. It's probably something with your creative, to your point, your website, or you're not getting clearly communicated to, and getting a transparent buyer. Yeah, we've it's done all those things. We've definitely seen campaigns. <clears throat> Two companies selling fundamentally 
similar product, same market, same pubs, one of them getting a lot of sales, the other getting very, very good sales. Right? So, um, and that came down to even at the top of the funnel, like just the CTR, one of them was double, right? And that was just a creative, not even the post click. You get the post click where someone is actually in your buying experience. What's the post click? Post click, yeah. So, and I shouldn't even say click because it's mostly tap now, yeah. right? So, post tap, yeah, good point. Yeah. So, you serve the impression, then someone clicks or taps on it, um, and they go, they, they leave our world and they go into the advertiser world. And what does that world look like? Is it is it Willy Wonka or is it Clockwork Orange? Like what what are we walking into? Um, and we don't have any control over that. Like, um, but we do help our advertisers and um, try to give them advice around having that narrative be continuous, right? That's the other thing you want to have. You don't want to serve someone an ad and when they click through and go to a post-click experience, if it, it doesn't relate to what they clicked on, they're going to be disappointed or offended and leave, right? I like to use the analogy with display advertising uh, banners as you're you're waving at someone. You're actually waving at a lot of people, and some of them, maybe one percent, if you're lucky, are going to wave back. And then that's where we say, okay, I want to introduce you to the brand. Um, and then it's it's you. It's you. We can only do so much. Yeah, right? and that's why, at least. From my perspective, that's what I try to educate my clients on. Yeah, I mean, look, we're, you bring me the leads. That's you, our job. You, you, you have to close them. Mm -hmm. You know, we give you a second chance with uh, retargeting yeah. and, and, you know, preying on yeah. shoppers' guilt. They're like, I should have yeah, gotten those pants. Yeah. And I looked at them. And that's where you capture yeah, yeah, CRM. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that whole market of once they're on your site, that process, that flow, uh, the data that you capture, and also what you offer them, because that's a big concern for the mm -hmm. cannabis industry is how do you build brand loyalty when you can't offer coupons and discounts, and because there's so many different dispensaries that your product might be in, and you know, it's it's like trying to wrangle up and put. Uh, so retail is pretty easy to do offers. We do a lot of that. Like, yeah. Of, like first time shop for this or thirty percent off for this sale. Mm -hmm. But for the brand, yeah, that's problem. That's another problem that's unique to cannabis, uh, which is that the the brand, the connection between the brand and the retailer, it, it's hard to connect those pieces yeah. sometimes, right? So mm -hmm. you want to advertise the brand, but you actually can't sell things to consumers as a cannabis brand usually, like in California. There's D to C direct consumers is coming of age a little bit, but um, yeah, it's, there's there's so much friction. Yeah, yeah, and that data that you're collecting once they're on the site and you're getting their email address, they're signing up for discounts or their newsletter and things on the website, like that data is like that shouldn't be two different departments at your company. Oh, no. They need to be the exact same, and you need to then use that after the you know let's say six months you you. Got all these people coming to the site. You got all this traffic. You're finding all this stuff, and then analyze it. Learn who all those people that came here. And you go, all right, who are people just like them? And then go back to the you know the fast world of the ad marketplace and say, all right, let me go get the rest of the people that are like them or new market. So in that one year, collect all of that and then continually use that. Like build that find stream. Yes, yeah. you know, continually finding that strategy. Yeah.
So and, it, and it never ends, yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's an ongoing, uh, ongoing cycle. We always have to optimize all the opportunities, publishers, mm -hmm. yep. improvements on the website, whatever it might be, get the numbers right up. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun, it keeps it interesting. Yeah, I think we're wrapping up on time here, but yeah, I, yeah. is this been the uh, least amount of hosting you've had to do when you're ready? Like, yeah, <laughs> so I asked like three ad tech geeks a question and just you won't need to be able to get a word in. So, yeah. no, well, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you, everyone, for Thanks for having me. Thank you. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Cheers. Cheers.